Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor John Lindell. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. Well, in the next few moments, I want to talk to you about the greatest comeback ever. The greatest comeback ever. If you were to Google the word comeback, it goes first to uh, sports comebacks, although you could probably find a comeback in almost any topic you would like. But if you're looking at the world of sports, I mean, this next week at Augusta, the Masters Tournament, then if you're a golfer, you know one of the greatest comebacks ever was in 1986 as Jack Nicklaus down by seven strokes at the start of the final day, birdied the back nine, tore it up, went on to win the Masters in a classic that has been unequaled since. It was an amazing comeback. Of course, as a Denver Bronco fan, I take great joy in reminding people that John Elway has the record for 47 comeback wins. But I don't want to leave the Chiefs out. So, the 2019-20 season, the Kansas City Chiefs come into the playoffs. They were the comeback kids. They were down to the Houston Texans, and they came back. They were down to the Tennessee Titans, and they came back. They get in the Super Bowl. It's the fourth quarter, six minutes left. They're down by 10 points, and a guy by the name of Patrick Mahomes works his magic in the Kansas City Chiefs for the first time in 50 years. Become world champions. Come on. That's good, isn't it? We love a comeback. There's something exciting about thinking all is lost, thinking it's not going to happen, and then all of a sudden there's a comeback where the person you didn't think was going to win won. But of all the comebacks I can think of, the most exciting and the greatest is a spiritual comeback. And that's the good news of Easter, that the Lord Jesus Christ has a way of turning things around. He has a way of taking the irreversible and reversing it. He has a way of doing in any of our lives what our energy, what our ingenuity could never do. He has a way of bringing about a divine comeback when he's invited into the equation of our life. That's why in the next few moments, I want to talk to you about the greatest comeback ever, the comeback of the resurrection. On this Easter Sunday morning, no doubt there are many people in this room, and you need a comeback. It could be in your family. It could be physically. It could involve the area of finances. There are some here today, and you need a relational comeback. Some need an emotional comeback. Maybe it's a habit or an addiction you need to break, and you've tried, and you don't have the power, and you don't have the ability, and you need a comeback. Maybe there are some of you, and you've been told you're not going to make it, you can't make it. There's a God who can bring about a comeback for others. You would say there was a time when you were walking with the Lord, when you knew the Lord and and you were close to the Lord, but things happened in your life, decisions were made, events took place, and now you found yourself living months or years away from the Lord. In fact, maybe this morning you're surprised you're even here. You came because of a friend. 
And you wondered if when you walked in the building, if, if the ceiling would fall down. You're like, oh boy, I, I can't believe I'm in church. And inside of you, there's a, a, a desire to know God, but there is a fear on the other hand that he might not want to know you. You need a comeback. Easter is the good news of a comeback. There's others. And you would say, well, I'm not a religious person. I'm just a spiritual person. But the fact of the matter is you can be as spiritual as you want, but until you've met personally Jesus Christ, the living God, you don't know what spiritual is all about. I'm not here to offend you. I'm just here to say his power can engineer a comeback in your life like you can't begin to imagine. That's the good news of Easter. And so this morning, in the next few moments, I want to I just talk a little bit about a text that I think encapsulates Easter truth so powerfully. It's found in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 6, where the apostle Paul writes this, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature. But not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. So we look at those verses, I want to give you just three words to center our thoughts. The first word is the word cross. Four times in that passage we just read, I highlighted the word wisdom. Paul's talking about wisdom, he's not talking about conventional wisdom. He's not talking about philosophical wisdom, which the Corinthians were very big into. They love to hear and debate the latest philosophies. What Paul is talking about, he calls a secret wisdom, a hidden wisdom. Why? It's a divine wisdom. And that wisdom, it centers and it's about the cross. First Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 1 in the verses preceding the passage we just read, Paul writes, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. That's what the Corinthians wanted to hear. They wanted to debate. They wanted to philosophize. And Paul says, listen, I, that's not what the cross is about. The cross is not just about a philosophical debate. The cross is about the kind of power that radically, miraculously changes a life. Look at it. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Christ, Jesus Christ and him crucified. The two things Paul mentions about the cross. The first thing he tells us is that the cross revealed God's plan. Look at it in verse 7. We speak a message that God destined for our glory before time began. Here's what's important to understand about the cross. It wasn't just bad men doing a bad thing at a point in history. But the cross was a part of God's plan. 
a plan that was formulated before you were born, a plan that was formulated, formulated before the earth was created, a plan that in eternity before time began, the all-knowing God who exists outside of time. He, he can see the beginning and the end simultaneously. He, that's why he's a, he is the eternal, ever-present, ever-now God. Amen. He saw you before time began. He knew about you before time began. He loved you before time began. He was thinking about how to reach out to you before time began. Because God knew the frailty of humankind. He knew that mankind left to their own would never be able to serve him without sin, and that sin would mar and damage the ability of human beings to have a relationship with God. And God so desired to know you, not only today, but to know you for all eternity, and not only to know you, but to work in you and work with you in a way that would not only glorify him, but would reveal his glory in you, something that's amazing to consider. And God said, I'll need to do for them what they cannot do for themselves. Because on your best day, you and I would never, through our own righteous acts or good deeds, be good enough to go to heaven. And so God did for us what we couldn't do. He sent his son, Jesus, to die for us to bear our sin so that when we put our faith in him, our sins would be forgiven. And God did it because he loved the world and he loved you and me. John 3:16, one of the greatest verses in all of the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. It was a plan from the very, very beginning. Paul calls it a hidden wisdom because bits and pieces of it were, were laid out in the Old Testament, but still people couldn't see it. They couldn't put it together in their mind. In fact, even the disciples, when they walked with Jesus, on four different times, Jesus said very plainly to them, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. The leaders are going to reject me. I'm going to be flogged. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die. And in three days, I will rise again. But it went right over the top of their head. It was a hidden plan, but it was God's plan. The second thing we know about the cross is it reveals God's power. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. There's some here today, and when we talk about the cross, when you see us making a big deal about something that happened 2,000 years ago, you're like, I don't get it. So what? A guy came, he died, and people say he rose again, but who can prove that? I don't know why everybody's making such a big deal. The reason why you're saying that is because you've not yet personally experienced the power of the resurrected Savior and the difference he can make in your life. But the moment... You open your heart to God. The moment you invite him into your life, the moment you say, Jesus, come into my heart and do your work in my life, watch what happens. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. 
The amazing thing about the cross is the power it brings into our life. I don't know how it works. I only know that it does work. I can't explain it beyond scriptural terms, but there is a power that is the greatest power known to mankind. You know what's very interesting is you would think when the New Testament writers are going to talk about God's greatest display of power, you would think, I would think at least, that they would talk about the creation of the universe, that moment when God breathed and everything came into being. He spoke and planets and stars and the galaxies and everything was created. But no, when the writers of Scripture want to point to the greatest act of God's power, it's what happened when he raised Jesus from the dead. Because in that moment, not only was Jesus raised from the dead, but death, hell, and the grave were defeated forever. That is power. It is the power that is able to undo the devastation of sin. Think of it this way. Imagine a tornado, God forbid, going through an area, wreaking havoc and devastation, and all of a sudden, all of that being put back into place and better than it was before. That's what Jesus does. That's what God did at the grave when he raised Jesus from the dead. Paul says, and that same power that raised him from the dead, Ephesians 1, is at work in you. It's a very powerful thing. It changes a person's life. It transforms them. It, it makes them different. It makes them new. It brings a, a whole new way of living to them. It's a power of the cross. It's the second word I want you to notice, conspiracy. Conspiracy. This is very interesting. Maybe you hadn't thought of this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 8, none of the rulers of this age understood it. Who are the rulers? I want you to understand, when it says none of the rulers, that word rulers, archon in the Greek, it's not talking about Pontius Pilate who washed his hands and turned Jesus over to be flogged and crucified. It's not the Jewish leaders who out of jealousy and envy had Jesus executed. It's not the Roman government. It's not the fickle mob that shouted Hosanna on Monday and crucify him on Friday. The word there, archon, Paul uses several times in the New Testament. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 38, he uses that word, and it's translated as principalities, demonic beings, neither angels nor demons can separate us from the love of Christ in that passage. In, in Ephesians chapter 3 and chapter 6, in chapter 6, verse 12, it says, for we wrestle not against principalities, archon. Your struggle isn't with flesh and blood. It's with demonic beings who want to detour you from knowing Jesus Christ, his life-changing power, who want to blind your heart, your mind, lest you believe and experience this wonderful resurrection power that could bring about a comeback. None of the demonic leaders of this age understood it. They didn't understand the cross. 
They couldn't go back and read through the, it was hidden. It was woven in. They were, they were arrayed against the plan of God. They wanted to corrupt the human race. They want to see mankind eternally separated from God because they know God loves people and God wants to rescue and save people. And so they do everything they can to try to stop that. And they thought that since God was coming in the flesh through Jesus Christ, his son, they thought, now we've got a chance. He has set aside the prerogatives of deity. He has come as a man. Yes, he was God, but he was living as a man. And they thought, here's what we'll do. We will get people to turn against him. We will get people to execute him. And when he's in the grave, God's plan is finished. Watch this. None of the demonic rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. There was a demonic conspiracy at that first Easter. We know that. Remember, Satan entered the heart of Judas Iscariot in the Garden of Gethsemane. When the mob came, Jesus said, now is the hour when darkness reigns. It was a demonic conspiracy as the forces of hell thought that now that they had God, in the flesh. They could hold him in the grave. They could stop God's plan, little knowing that the evil they were working in the end would only serve to bring about the greatness of God's plan. And as you think about it, you can almost picture their demonic glee as he's laid in the tomb. They thought the Son of God was dead. They thought it was a triumph for the forces of hell. But instead, what they did when he was resurrected, it allowed the, the freedom and the power of God's forgiveness to flow to humanity. It's amazing. Talk about a turnaround. Talk about a victory. That leads us to the third word, come back. Come back. As they laid him in the tomb, they thought they'd won. But on that first Easter, he rose from the dead. It was the greatest comeback ever because he defeated death, hell, and the grave. The Bible says he went down into the lower regions and he led captivity captive. He declared his victory. He said, I'm not dead, I am alive. And this morning, that's the message of Easter. That's the power of Easter truth, that God has a comeback for you. When it looks like all is lost, he has a comeback. When it seems all hope is gone, he has a comeback. When your plans have failed, he has a comeback. When your marriage is broken apart, he has a comeback. When you thought God was dead, he has a comeback. When you thought that addiction would win out, he has a comeback. When you thought God wouldn't have a place in your life, he has a comeback. Jesus has a comeback. And the good news of Easter is his comeback is better than you could possibly ever imagine. You say, what do you mean? Look at it. Verse 9. I love this. However, I love that word. You thought your marriage was broken, however. You thought you were too far gone, that God wouldn't take you back, however. You thought the addiction would win out, however. There's a big however 
because of Easter. As it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Now listen, that's read a lot of times at funerals as if it's talking about heaven. And while certainly it could apply to heaven, that's not what it's talking about. It's not talking about heaven, it's talking about earth. We know that because the very next verse, verse 10 says, but God has revealed them to us by his spirit. We can know them now. We can experience them now. In other words, what it's telling us is the comeback of Easter is better than you could imagine in your wildest dreams. You couldn't begin to see it. You're like, you're like, I don't know how he's going to do this. I just can't see a way. No, no eye has seen. You're like, well, I know they're telling me and, and I just can't. I've never heard of anything like this. No ear is heard. You're like, man, I, I can't see. I can't hear. I, I can't think how God's going to do this. Nor has it entered the mind a man what God has prepared what God can do in your life in my life in our lives because of resurrection power because of a divine Easter comeback there's a comeback from the damage of sin there's a comeback from the power of evil. There is a comeback that God wants to work in your life. He created one on that first Easter, and he wants to create one today on this Easter 2021 in your life, wherever you're at, whatever you're going through. There's divine power to give you a comeback, and God has a comeback for you. Jesus rose from the dead and he can bring anything back to life again. And that's the power of Easter and the resurrection. That wherever you're at and whatever you're going through, God can engineer, he can work a comeback. His power is so great, there is nothing impossible for him, nothing. The power of the resurrection can change absolutely any and every life.